Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Bench Units. I am joined by um, joined by a guy who I think we've tried not to make the episodes about ourselves a little bit more recently, but I'm officially joined by a first-time Paralympian to be in my usual co-host, who's definitely too big of a deal for me by now. How's it going, James? Yeah, not bad, thanks. That's, that's not a bad intro, considering that we normally intentionally botch our own intros. We do, don't we? But I was gonna, I was gonna follow up immediately by calling out that uh, very self-congratulating Instagram post you wrote from our account. Ah, uh, I can't believe you did it. You see that? Oh, you're not meant to be here yet. I was about to reference our guest before we even. Okay, well, we'll intro him and then we'll ask him if he saw it because it was despicable. So joining us this week is the man who I once single-handedly dragged to what was then called the Challenge Cup gold medal, 2012, I believe. Um, soon to be six-time Paralympian, but when we put this episode out, we'll say that we had two people on who have a combined seven Paralympic appearances. And living proof that we'll let basically anybody in here now, especially considering James can't really escape from him as they're in hotel quarantine together. Terry Bywater, how's it going, man? What an intro. Thanks very much. You're welcome. <laughs> I've been killing time until you guys joined the call. Yeah, I feel like you've just kind of dragged me on here like as a last resort. <laughs> You're right. yeah, James was pushing hard for you to come on here. See, really? I told you, Ter- Terry kept being like, you're having this person on, you're having this person on. Would you ever have me on? I'm like, obviously, well, you're Terry makes, Bywater. If it yeah. makes you feel any better, Terry, you're definitely not our last resort because I, um, I saw Colin Bryce one night this week and he asked when we were having him on. So I messaged James, I was like, get Terry on immediately. And that <laughs> <up there. laughs> All right, I'll take, I'll take second last resort then. Yeah, I'll, take, I'll take that. Wicked. So... First off, guys, obviously the news came up about the Paralympic selections, so congratulations to both of you. James, I imagine it feels like a pretty big deal. Terry, I don't imagine you even like rolled out of bed to do the press day at this point. It's just part of the routine. I had to roll me out of bed to do the press day, but we'll, <laughs> we'll say less about that. <laughs> no, I'd see, honestly, um, completely opposite to be honest with you. I still get that, I still get that buzz. I still get that, that nervous feeling before selections and stuff like that. And, you know, for me, it's special. I've, I've been lucky enough to go to five Paralympic Games. So, you know, I'm going to my sixth but with that same excitement. So, no, I was absolutely buzzing, mate. I'm very proud. I'm very proud of what I've done. And, you know, it's six Paralympic Games sounds pretty cool. So, Yeah, not, not a bad one for the resume. When you say you still get nervous, what are the, what are the younger guys in the programme like? If you, if you give away in any way that you still feel the nerves, are they like, come on, man, like, don't do this in front of us. You're just trying to make us feel better. <laughs> no, listen. Selection is tough as at the best of times, especially with the young, like you say, the young lads that we've got coming through. But yeah, it's uh, you know I always fight for my place, and I always I always just hope that I'm here on merit anyway. So yeah, but some of the young guys, you know, when they uh, obviously when they ask me about selection and stuff like that, and if if they think that I'm going to go to my sixth games or think that I was going to get picked, well, obviously yeah, I'm going. Like I I make sure I tell them that. No messing about with it. <laughs> like, do you think you pick me over you? No. Do you think there's a chance that I get selected? No. You're, you're, you're in the old guy phase of clinging on by just abusing the confidence of everyone who might replace you. It's, it, it's <laughs> no, I'm at the old guy stage where, like, now, like, without me, they'd be lost. There's no one like, to take the mick out of. There's no one to, like, join in the jokes. Like, I'm the old boy, so I'd be, I'd be sadly missed. 
Actually, when I was um, when I was sketching out my intro for you there, one of the um, one of the points I kind of toyed around with, but threw away because I couldn't word it right. I was going to try and describe you as the person that's the reason that there's even a program for James to be selected into, because I think the um, the whole thing hinges on your game going back to the um, the Rio bronze medal game. There's yeah, man. Be a lot of my wedding. Like smoke <laughs> without that. <laughs> Yeah, I've heard stories about that. I've heard stories about what that shot was apparently worth and all this and the performance against uh, against Turkey in Rio. But um yeah, listen, this is how it works, isn't it? That you know, we've got a we're a performance based based team like any other team, so we have to keep performing at the highest level. So yeah, I mean he thanks me every day, James, by the way. Like I've <laughs> lunch at dinner. And uh yeah, like I said, I'm 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 paying for his wedding, so he needs to thank me. Yeah, there you uh, go. Has he has he invited you? No. <laughs> I'm getting enough stick from certain people about not getting invited. It's a very small thing. <laughs> that's not. That's not fair. I guess not, I'll, I'll shut. Fair. I'll shut up then because it looks like I've made the very exclusive um, invite list. Yeah, exactly. Because when this is finished, we'll be having arguments in the room, mate. <laughs> we'll be. We'll be uh, making sure who would have been on the list. Okay, fair enough. Well, if it makes you feel any better, you. Um... If you don't get to come to James's wedding, then you miss my best man speech. So at least you've been spared that pain. Yeah, that'd actually be a fun, a fun podcast bit when both of us are married. Like we just read each other's best man speeches. Out yeah, we actually should that would be wreck each other. But, um... <laughs> I even managed to get a speech, like because there's not a lot to say about it, really, is there? Oh my god! Like, really? <laughs> uh, hi, I'm like James, and I play wheelchair basketball. Um, what more? Shut up. <laughs> That's not going to be already. I know I shouldn't add. Oh yeah, that, no, no, no. I was already I sick of it. No, I forgot. You can actually say, "Can't you? You're going to a Paralympic Games." I am. Congratulations. Yeah, man. thanks very much. It's the f- first interesting thing about him. Twenty-six <laughs> years in. Yeah, it took me to twenty-six. Nothing interesting <laughs> apart from that. Yeah, um, I hold an unsuc- I host an unsuccessful podcast with my friend. Oh, well, uh, it's it's fine, man. The speeches are like family members of us. The speeches are being delivered to family members of ours who definitely don't care enough to listen. So if we each take our chance to just plug it over the however many minutes we get given, or if we do teasers and be like, you can catch the rest of this on the podcast, that's that's the speeches wrapped up right there. That'll be our listens going through the roof. Easy. Okay. So I feel like I should try and rein this in ever so slightly. <laughs> can we start asking our guest about some basketball stuff? Let's do it. That sound fun? Yeah, let's do it. Let's okay, do it. so for the people who are listening who don't know, how did you get started playing wheelchair basketball? Um, a pretty boring story actually. I was I was at my local limb centre. Um, I was get I think I was getting a new leg fitted, and I just literally seen a poster on the wall. It was um, it was saying go to a local a local um, centre in Middlesbrough and just basically try try wheelchair basketball. I remember going there for the very first time. That I think it was the first time I ever sat in a sports wheelchair. It was the odd time I went to school in a wheelchair or on my crutches and stuff. But um, you know, because I was always football mad, I'd never I don't think I'd even played the sport of basketball. I think I don't think I even bounced a basketball. And yeah, sat in a sat in a sports chair for the very first time, witnessed all these absolute nutters flying past me in a chair and falling out and doing all this. I love it. I just can't believe how, how amazing it was. Sick man. I was gonna say you still haven't dribbled a basketball because you shoot it every time you catch it. <laughs> can't score by bouncing the ball, can you, pal? Is that right? I've been going wrong? No, I can't score by shooting. I don't know how that works. 
I like the fact that we've just dragged a um, dragged a six-time Paralympian in here now, and he's using the terminology "bounce the basketball." It's like this is this is why we get the um, get the real <laughs> guests in because we want to hear the real terminology. But, bounce but, the basketball. What what was your what was your first club then, Terry? If it was in Middlesbrough. Yeah, it was actually called Teesside Lions in, in the Middlesbrough, the the place where I went for an open day. I think we actually started our own our own little club, our own little team. Right. And there was a few there was a few young lads at the time. Uh, Lee Fawcett, many of you will probably. Oh know. yeah. He was a uh, he was one of them that was there, and he was a guy that helped me along the way, giving me lifts to practice and all that stuff. And yeah, we set up our own little team, and uh, we just went from there really. And I played for him for quite a few years, and we did all right for ourselves. And we established ourselves in the league and stuff like that. I had a pretty decent team. They, they were the best days of my life, man. Like, I've got so many good <laughs> memories of just literally just jumping in a chair with the lads and having fun and, you know, driving up and down the country on a weekend and just playing games in random places like, I don't know, Barrow in Furnace or, you know, just driving around Manchester, just random places I've never been before. Barrow and Furnace, I only ever played there once, but they had that custom-built basketball facility, which I think is like the, the only one in basically the entire country that's not in Manchester or London. And it was wicked and it was state of the art. And it they just didn't turn the heating on. And we played there in January and there was nobody there. There was like one caretaker. There was a full rack of seats pulled out. Nobody in the stands apart from, <laughs> I, th- I, th- I think, my mum. And this, um, yeah, it was like a wicked facility, better than like 99% of the clubs play out. And it was literally too cold to even play. We were wearing like hoodies under our jerseys and stuff. It was such a waste. <laughs> But yeah, they were the days, man. I think you you ask anybody. What was the, um, what was the final score? Like twelve sixes. <laughs> um, it was terrible, man. I think we played them. That team we played at Northern General one of the first games of that season. We hammered them, and then we were so crap when we went there. I think we beat them by like four. It was like 44, 40 or so, something like that. I'm just pick, picking numbers there. But I think um, to your point, it's like. There's so many people who, if you ask, like, obviously you've accomplished a load in your career and like James is on his way there. And there's a ton of other guys who, (laughs) well, there's a ton of, ton of other guys who, you know, have massive accomplishments, but you ask almost anybody who started out playing as a young kid and they're like, yeah, the best days was when you're on a team with five-year mates and you drove to a random place for a weekend and you just played a division two game and there was no pressure and it was such a laugh. Like, it, Absolutely, man. Like they're genuinely, they're genuinely like some of the best memories I had. I've had some, you know, I've, I've been lucky enough to be around a long time, um, over twenty years in the program playing for playing for GB, and you know I played for a long time. But them days back in the day, just playing with your mates and having fun, and like I said, driving up and down the country on a weekend, and your mum and dad's coming to watch you play and stuff like that. And like you said, there you get on a basketball court, you know, and there's like five or six people watching you, like no. <laughs> The small gym, and yeah, they're they're the good times, man. Playing for the real diehard fans, all, all five <laughs> or six of them that can be bothered to drive down to North Wales to watch you watch you play forty minutes. Yeah, and they're they're actually on the bench with you. They're on the side <laughs> of the courts that small. Like the fans are on the bench with you. <laughs> hey, they were the days. So moving on a little bit, you um, you got you've just said kind of 20 years plus in the program there. So you got serious with the whole basketball side of things relatively young. What was the, what was the kind of point where be it your first, um, your first GB selection or your first kind of contract to go and play in Europe or whatever, what was the, 
the point where you realized that this was like your life now, I guess is the, the question. Yeah, I'll go back to, I think it was in 1996. Uh, yeah. I was one. <laughs> I, was, I was two at that point. Seriously? Yep. One and two year old. Yep. Yeah, I, I won't talk about this then. We'll change this. Stuff. <laughs> no, no, keep it going. This is, this is what the people want, man. I no, say, uh, I don't know. We don't know what the people want, obviously. Yeah, we get like right. 40 listens to podcasting. But... but yeah, it was. It was in 96. I was like 13 or 14. I think it was something stupid like that. And I'd, I'd been, I'd went to, um, Prior to this, I went to like a few GB Junior camps. I think at the time it was like under 21s or under 23s or something like that. Yeah, yeah, probably. And I think, I think I was genuinely like the youngest there. I might have been like the youngest there. Anyway, I, I'd obviously been invited and went along. But I didn't think for one minute I was going to make the team. Um, and eventually getting selected. And next thing you know, my, my, my first tournament was a, a world championships, I think, in Canada. Oh, wow. And I'm, like, I'm going home and telling my mum I'm going to Canada. And she thought I was taking the mic. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> You're just going to get your passport and go to Canada, right? I was like, no, mom, I'm going to Canada, like with the GB team. Like, it was unbelievable, man. Like, a little kid like me from a place in Redcar in England, like a small little town, and like, yeah, I'm going to Canada. Like, I think the furthest I'd been was probably Scotland or somewhere like that. I, wouldn't, I don't know. <laughs> next thing you know, I was going to a World Championships playing for Great Britain. I went there. Um, I always, always remember one of our opening games was against Australia. And I think we got battered by about 30 or 40 points. <laughs> <laughs> and we were like, yep, well, we haven't got a chance of winning this, have we, boys? <laughs> Who else was uh, on that team, man? Boy, back in the day, there's people like the, uh, Dan Highcock, uh, John Hall, I think maybe would have been on that. Um, I think Abdi, jo- uh, Abdi joined us a lot later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Matt Seeley, maybe. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool, he, might, he might have been on there. That's that was- interesting because that's like what I remember when I first started really following. That's what I remember the initial phase of the men's team being prior to a lot of the younger guys coming through. So it's interesting you guys were all like the um, in the juniors together and working your way through. Oh, yeah. And and, and for all you, well, you, you know, a lot of you will know him, uh, Troy Sachs. Yeah. It was the first time I ever, I ever met the man, the first time I ever seen him play. And like... I don't know, man. I just thought it was just unbelievable. Like, unbelievable. He was obviously a couple of years older than me at the time. He'd been playing slightly longer and he was like the superstar of the tournament. Patrick Anderson was there as well in 96. And, you know, we'd been training with the boys at Stoke Mandeville, the GB programme. We were training with the boys and stuff like that. But I never, ever knew that, like what wheelchair basketball was all about. And the next thing you know, we're playing these kids from Australia and, and Japan and Canada and stuff like this. It was nuts, man. It was absolutely nuts. Yeah, I, th- I think we managed to get a couple of wins, but we got absolutely battered. <laughs> was that was seeing sort of what wheelchair basketball could be for the first time was that like a moment to inspire you because I, I always remember that being like wow this game's a lot bigger than just GB or this game's a lot bigger than I play for my club and I try and win games and I go to camps or whatever like was that did that like motivate you seeing where these guys were taking the game and where it could go do you know what? I think it was a little bit more than that. I think it was like, and it's it's very, very personal and stuff, but I think it was the whole, I was walking around with like a GB tracksuit on. And like, I was in a venue that I'd never, ever seen a venue like that before. You know, we, when we were in Canada and just being in the, staying in the hotel for my very first time with the team. And 
little stuff like having having all your food paid for and yeah. getting free <laughs> a free so, meal yeah, basically yeah. that's that's yeah. what you're there for yeah, absolutely but still there we got the, the first free breakfast at his first tournament he was like right this is my life now <laughs> i'm getting selected for everything that ever comes absolutely back. stuff like that again a, like a goodie bag like with a t-shirt and a yeah i mean just super proud you know what i mean that's what i always say i'm in it for a minute for the free t-shirts and the profile photos <laughs> like that's it <laughs> And you get good ones every so often and you're like yeah i i joked about this but i think i might mean it <laughs> but we were all like that we were all like that man because we were just we were just young kids off the block we were there was a couple of kids in that team that were like me that just come from small towns or villages wherever they were in england and stuff like that and we'd never witnessed that lifestyle or seen basketball like that or played in a venue like that so it was a massive wow factor for us and that's yeah that's probably why i keep on saying it but that's probably why we got battered yeah, man, you're just looking, looking about, being like, look at these lights while someone's scoring on you. But no, I think that's, I think that's a real thing. Like you kind of, you get there, and for some people, it's like maybe that's the first time abroad, and it's like kind of opens your eyes to the fact that basketball can actually take you places, and it can help you experience things and that you'd never experience otherwise. And I think that's one of the real privileges of sort of either European club basketball or international basketball, anything like that. Like you get to do so much more than just play a game of basketball, you meet people and you kind of expand your horizons. And I think, yeah, that's one of the real privileges of doing all this, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And like I said, that was the time where, you know, there's still, there's still people playing. There's still people in that tournament that are still playing today. So, yeah, you meet, you meet a lot of people, you make friends. And uh, <laughs> I'll never forget going back to school, just trying to tell all the boys in school that I was like, I was going away to play wheelchair basketball and they just all thought I was just absolutely full of it. Like, what do you mean, mate? You're going away to play wheelchair basketball? Like trying to explain to them that I was going like to a different country playing wheelchair basketball. They all thought I wasn't telling the truth. And they were like, flip sake, we need another for five aside. What are you doing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Until it all came out in assembly at school one morning and then all my, all my mates noticed that I'd be missing from the football game so they weren't happy. <laughs> Someone else had to go in nets and they were like, yeah. flip sake, tell, come on, mate. <laughs> well, I'm a top striker. Yeah. So after after obviously a little a little dabble in the junior team, you made the senior team pretty quickly, didn't you? You're only a young fellow. What were you? Five, six years old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mad. Um, first ever experience again of a, of a tournament was <laughs> was Sydney Sydney Paralympics. <laughs> How did that happen? Sydney How did you go from junior team straight up? Was that like you'd been to a couple of camps and? Obviously, you were good from a young age, so that's why, like, you were there because you deserved to. But how does, how do you go from what age were you at Sydney? 16? 16, 17, Yeah. Yeah. How do you go, sixteen, seventeen year old? Yeah, I'm that? not gonna lie. I got, I got a bit lucky. Like, I definitely got lucky because I've only been playing, I've only been playing the juniors for a few years and stuff like that. And I was a million miles away from the rest of the, the boys that were playing, million miles away. But at the time, at the time I came into the men's program, they were just changing the coach. So he and this new coach came in and basically he was just looking to the future. Like yeah. he was like there were some old boys in the team that were still getting the job done, but he was looking towards the future. And and yeah, I got I'm not gonna lie, I got lucky. I got I got lucky big time. You know, next thing you know, I'm in, I'm on a I'm on a plane going to Sydney as a 16, 17, 17 year old kid. I remember, I remember my first game in Sydney, I absolutely packed myself. It was against Germany. <laughs> I had the ball in my hands and I was shaking. Yeah, I was man. shaking. Like there was thousands of thousands of people in the crowd. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. <laughs> and I'd been selected for a pound of the games. But yeah, I'm not gonna lie, I got a little bit lucky, but you know, I was I was very thankful for that opportunity because I wouldn't be I wouldn't be sat here today if it, if that didn't have happened at all, I think. Yeah, man, the stuff like that happens with every selection that people don't like think about in a couple of years' time. It's like there's luck that goes into 
any of them as well. Like I can certainly say that for sure, but it's like, yeah, you don't remember that. You just remember the experience after a certain while, I would say. Well, it's that. And also having any luck to do with selection is really just a jumping off point. And it's then, it's then on you to kind of keep your foot wedged in the door, isn't it? Which by the, by the looks of it, Terry, considering we're 21 years later, I'd say you, uh, you made the most of whatever you'd call your, your lucky opportunity. Yeah, his foot is still in the door, I would say. Wedged in there, right? Good. Taking his prosthetic off and jarred the door up with it. Um, <laughs> Took my leg off and shut it in the door. Jammed your toe underneath it. Like a so, wet. Just a quick question, kind of going back uh, a step or two, Terry. Um, we kind of touched on the group that you guys took to uh, the tournament in Canada and how a lot of those guys kind of migrated their way into the senior team over the next however many years. From your kind of first tournaments, be it junior or senior, is there anybody that you remember from kind of that generation who you thought was really going to take off, be it GB side or, or worldwide? Is there anyone that you you look back at it now and you're like, how would they not taken over the world? You know, it just didn't happen for them. No, to be honest with you, you know, the, 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 the people that stick in my mind, obviously the the first absolute superstars that I ever watched was Parry Anderson and Troy. And watching them play, they were just they were just a class above the rest. Like we were nowhere near them. I yeah. think you know, they were going out and balling, scoring 40, 50 points every game in the world championships. And I think they went off in the final as well. And they always knew that they were gonna absolutely just smash it because they were just like you say, they were amazing. But you know what? I got fun with uh, with John Hall. And you know he had a he had a he had a wicked he had a wicked career like he, he played the game for a long time, and for all of you that know him, you know he was a, he was a fantastic shooter, three point player, and at junior level he used to beast it man like at junior level he was one of the best. Every single tournament he went to he was in like all star fives and he was like he yeah. was just doing the business, and he did it for the GB men's team for a while as well. Yeah. So yeah, probably very random, but probably John Hall man. He started yeah. all the way through a Paralympics like. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, yeah. you guys came fourth in London, but like, that man was a starter on a world class team. No, it's, <laughs> in the Paralympics. It's, like, one of the, it's one of them players where you'd probably ask the modern day crew, so to speak, who John Hall was, and they might not even, they probably won't even know him. Yeah. yeah. Man. Sad play, no yeah. It is sad. It is sad because he had a huge impact on British wheelchair basketball, realistically. Yeah. Like, and it, he was five for us, man. Yeah. And he was, he <laughs> was a it's interesting because you say you know you could I know in in your camps you're in right now where you're um you're gearing up for Tokyo you've got a few of the young guys in and you say it the, these guys might not be able to tell you who John Hall was but it's interesting because a lot of the a lot of the kind of midpointers like you say could could do a lot worse than to like go back and watch some film and you know model at least elements of their game after after what John used to do because my my first experience with ever was when he was playing at Rhinos and we used to the premier teams, we used to go up against Rhinos for kind of the title each year. And it was like, this guy just killed, like it, the season's great and the games are close all the way until we get up to Rhinos and then John beats us. And that was the pattern for like four years in a row, probably. <laughs> yeah, that's he, what I mean. He though. could shoot, man. Like, yeah, like you're used to a side, you're used to it, two young lads and you two can remember him. Like obviously yeah. you played with him and played against him and stuff like that. But it, it's sad, man, because that's something that we just don't do well enough. Like, you know, he at the time he was he was like I say he was one of the best three pointers in the sport, and people look back and think, well, John Hall, like who's John Hall? So yeah, it's, it's sad in that sense. We don't have that like the like the the NBA or you know, like European basketball and stuff like that. You don't necessarily remember the old timers. It's, it's something that we need to be better at, definitely, definitely. I think so, hundred percent. Because I even 
like say the generation that me and you are from mark we probably remember generation before terry maybe generation before that and yeah. it's you see the next group of young guys that are here maybe go one generation further back like they'd remember maybe the london team yeah and half the beijing lads which is weird because I'd say we could probably get back as far as the 2000s would take us and then a little bit further just from knowing people. I think you have a bit of a historical thing from just being at Steelers and knowing. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, guys that's and cool. like the old guys stuck around. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. You played with some legends, including me, haven't you? I have, yeah. As I mentioned in the intro, I, um, I dragged you to that Challenge Cup gold myself, did I not? Um, Did you guys have a combined 45 points? Yeah, well, in the game, I think at the time, I think I was one point short of 50 and I think Mark actually scored two points. I think it was. What did you score, Mark? I think he had a layup. I think I did have two because they they disrespected me a, a justifiable amount and I ran one layup in and they were like, all right, let, let's yeah, not they, push they, they disrespected him in the 39th minute when we were winning by 10. <laughs> yeah, wasn't it? I think, was it 45 you had? I'm pretty sure it was 45. Terry yeah. had, Terry had forty five, but he um he was four from nine free throws. Thanks, man. <laughs> so, um, you so you could have had fifty. He could have had fifty, and it, it got it got the fourth quarter. And um, Philippe Baye, who again the younger guys won't remember in any sense, was in the crowd and was like sitting with a beer, heckling Terry on like a per free throw basis. It was it was ridiculous, man. All my but, free throws were because of fouls, right? So it wasn't because I shot the ball. Because what well, I was that, doing. I felt sorry for Mark and I was trying to let him score. I was getting fouled on the assist going the line because I was like so frustrated with Mark. I was missing the free throws. Of course. So, what did you guys start in that tournament? Because you guys had a weird team where that was the year that all the GB guys were back in the UK and divided yeah, in man. between four clubs. But you guys had like a weird lineup. Me, Lee Manning. Terry, Lee, myself, Kev and Daz Greenfield. Is that right? Yeah, well, I think it was. <laughs> that, yeah. one, that was that, it, was it not. Was. You know what I mean, yeah. man? Like every, like the three other clubs were like five GB squad guys deep and you guys had to run three people who were either on the way up or the way down. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, the, the, best, no the best part is, the best part is that's the year that it was a four-team league and we finished third. <laughs> <laughs> so... Do with that what you will. Wasn't, uh, wasn't I injured like for half of the season though? Yeah, I think you you came back. It dodged your wrist, right? Yeah, yeah you hurt because you'd hurt your wrist at the Euros the year before, I think. That was right. No, you, you hurt your wrist, wrist getting off the sofa, didn't you? Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. After after, win, after winning the Euros and not moving off the sofa for a two week celebration, <laughs> it's t- tough to lift yourself off the sofa in those circumstances. But um, he picked the kettle up and hurt his wrist. <laughs> I wish yeah, I think. That's another thing, by the way. What's you that? About me sharing a room with him, like yeah. timer, and a guy going to his first Paralympics, and he never makes a cup of tea, ever. Rookie He's, duties, man. He is drinking one that I made right now, but that's only because I'm doing this. I will get yeah, fully, but I will give Terry credit where credit's due. So I got here the first day of our first camp, slept, woke up the next day, say seven o'clock. Five past seven, Terry put a cup of tea in my hands. Absolutely, like, made me feel like the worst rookie in the universe. <laughs> Obviously, for the millions and millions of listen- listeners that we're going to get on this, 50 that are all overseas, right? A cup of tea to the Englishman, it means a lot. 
I wouldn't know. It means a lot to the Irishman. <laughs> I, I don't drink tea, so I can't comment. But um, yeah, I think to your, uh, to your point about legends, Terry, the, me and James actually had this discussion because it's like a, a regular kind of bugbear of mine that I have so few people I can talk to about how great Callum Gordon was because nobody outside of like probably me, you and Harry remember, like, remember what it was like to play with him. I try and tell James about what he was like to play with. And James is like, yeah, I've, I've never seen him play or like even been around him for more than like a brief conversation. It's like people have no idea what they're missing out on. That guy was the man. Yeah, could I, well, I couldn't agree more. That, that, that's the guy that gave me my first ever wild fact in wheelchair basketball. Really? Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's funny you've said this because when I first started training with the boys back in the day, uh, your Callum and, and, and Cine and... Uh, Simon Moon and Dan Johnson, all the, the old timers back in, in it had been 99, 1999, 2000. And that was the guy that first gave me the wow factor. I remember just training with him and just watching him like knock mismatches down like 20 in a row, 25 in a row. And I'll, I'll never forget the time we, we were in shooting practice. I was just watching him scoring off the backboard, 45 degree shot off the backboard. And he was just knocking them down one after another, one after another. And I just immediately thought, that's what I want to be. That, that's got to be me. That's what I need to do. But he was a beast, man. He was so strong. He was just a proper man-man. Like, he'd look at you and, like, stare you. <laughs> yeah, yeah you've, you've got a way to go on catching up with the intimidation factor, I think. But he, <laughs> I think that's gone, mate. Yeah. But I don't think he, I've, I've heard, like, you've heard you describe him as, like, some sort of combination of, like, big, strong, old-school, tough guy, but, like, modern wheelchair basketball forward skill set, which yeah. is just nuts. Yeah, like, that, back in the day, that's wild. That's exactly it. And it, I don't know about you, Terry, but I think one thing that's like interesting about Callum's game is it's all these years later, and you, I can't point to like one person who has what I would call Callum's skill set. Like, the, there's nobody where you look, watch them play, and you're like, oh, that's what Callum used to do. And I don't, I don't know why that is. Like, I don't know what parts are missing from everybody's individual games, but nobody does it, and nobody. Nobody can hurl a full court javelin pass that will guarantee break at least three people's fingers if it goes anywhere near them. I think he was unique, wasn't he? I think he was just that guy that had everything. I, yeah. Obviously, we were lucky enough to have him in the GB team, but like you said, then he was. Uh, you've got your modern day forwards now, for example, that can maybe get a post up and shoot the three and stuff like that. Then you get your big beast like Lee and you know Simon back in the day. Uh, then you get your people like Troy Sachs. He could have been one of them, maybe. Bit of an all all rounder. He had yeah. a fantastic floor game, three three point shot. Yeah, not too bad. But him, Callum, he he had everything, didn't he? He could turn it on. He could be very, he, like he said there, with his skill sets and stuff like that. He could he could score you twenty points in in ten minutes, or he could get you twenty stops. Like he was that type of player. Yeah, when when we were we were kids, uh, myself and Harry mainly when we were coming up, there was like games where he he would coast and then it would get to it would get to like playoffs or end of the season there'd be a big game and it'd be like first quarter and it's like oh Callum has 22 in the first 10 minutes <laughs> it's like he, he's had, had games where he scored like six points the entire game because he's just been coasting and then he's like right this one matters and at 47 years old he just turns it on yeah that's just to show you how good he is though man Oh, like that's what he was back in the day. Like he was just nuts. I used to watch him in. He used to watch him in practice and some of the stuff he did. It was just, it was just mental. And like you said, he was a type of player. 
Like if he was on the bench and you need a point, you'd bring him on for points. If he was on the bench, you need a bit of defense. You'd bring him on for defense. It's like me there when I'm sat there on the bench and we need a bit of D in the team. That will shout me on and I'll go on and play defense. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you need someone to hit a shot, Terry's not your man. No. You look on the bench and you go, oh, we need a couple of threes. You're like, Terry, get out of the way. Hold on. What else? We <laughs> right. Shall we, shall we move on a little bit? Because I think we talked about doing some club stuff and there's probably a, a lot to cover here. Okay. Yeah. So... Should we start at the beginning of the club stuff or should we go straight to the fun? Um, I'll start at the beginning. So you're one club man. What was your first year in a union and who was there? You've told me this, but I find this fascinating. Yeah, I'm one club man. I'm lucky enough to obviously go out there after, after Beijing. They offered me after Beijing. They wanted me to go play with them. They absolutely packed myself. And for several weeks, I was saying yes and saying no. Um Obviously, it was massive for me. I was taking, I was taking Jody away at the time from my mum and dad, and like we didn't know what to do. <laughs> I was dead gym at the time, thinking, "Well, I'm going to Spain." I didn't even, I couldn't even say hello or thank you or anything in Spanish. I didn't have a clue. And uh, yeah, I went you'll, out there. You'll get there. Yeah, I'll yeah, get, no, I'll get there bad. in the end. <laughs> but we, um, I just went out there. It, it was, it was crazy, man. It was like I was going to a professional team in in Spain, and it was just completely different to what I knew back at home. The way the club was run, the players that we had, the training practices every single day, playing in front of crowds. And yeah, when we went there, we had obviously a lot of the Spanish uh, national team in the team, but we had um, uh, Josh Turek, an absolute superstar of the sport. Lucky enough to obviously go out there and play with him. He was and still is an amazing player. Oh, yeah. Absolutely amazing. And he, you know, playing with him for that first year. I was very privileged. I was, I was, I was super. In practices, sometimes again, he was the type of player that would just be like, "Wow, like who is this kid? Like he's amazing." Little left-hander, and, and again, had everything from shooting inside, from shooting outside. And at the time, he was probably one of the best players in the world at the time. Yeah. Uh, Josh, wanted by a lot of European clubs. And I always remember every European competition he was there. A few years before me, he was top scorer, top assist, all-star. Like Josh, Josh was the man. Yeah, he was the man. You were there with Sean Norris as well, weren't you? First year. Yeah, he came. No, yeah, Sean Norris. So he came in the first year a little bit, um, a little bit later than the rest. And again, just a phenomenal player, man. Just yeah. lucky enough to be able to say that I played, I played with these guys. And yeah, he obviously he went on to be MVP of the world, Sean. Um, and at the time, you know, again, just watching watching a player like that. You know, with the, the skill sets he had and the way he used to push the floor and just never stop pushing, like never stop pushing. And again, offensively, defensively, just had a bit of everything. And that's why, yeah, that's why he went on to being the best player in the world. Yeah. yeah so that that's not a bad um not a bad group of teammates for you to to land with in your in your first abroad experience. <laughs> I think that you've probably hit hit the jackpot on that one a little bit. With um the way that Illunion's kind of been structured for a long time now. I, I say Illunion, it was called Fundosa back in the day, wasn't it? Well, probably when you arrived. Um, but you guys have had like a few iterations. There's like the old school team, like you say, with Josh and Sean and those guys. The twins had been around forever and you'd kind of shuffled, shuffled extra bigs in. And then you've got your current kind of iteration where you're a bit more guard focused with, um, with Jake and Greg being in there. What's kind of the... What obviously you probably have some idea of what's going on with signings and stuff because you've, like James said, you've been there a long time. But 
what do you guys kind of look at year to year in terms of how you can improve and like play differently or or stick to the model? Yeah, it's a tough question. That that's you know that's, I've been lucky enough because I'm obviously being captain of the team there for a few years now, so I know the ins and outs of the team and what they think and do and stuff like that. We've been we've just been I think we've been very very lucky from the signings that we've had. Like I say, you go back when I first went there. The signings we have was like Josh, um, obviously Sean. We've had we've had players like uh, uh, Peter Turek, uh, Tuchek, Tuchek, yeah, absolutely like a machine. Like talk if anybody wants to see a bloke shoot the basketball in a wheelchair, it's just him. Like I'd go, I'd go practice on the mornings. Like he wouldn't miss for like an hour. Like genuinely, just wouldn't miss. Like yeah, put another coin in, another coin in. Another coin in. It was ridiculous, man. And then yeah, we get the twins. Um, obviously, we got them absolute beast. And and for a number of years, we went big. Everybody knows, like for a number of years, we went big, and then just little old me behind them all. So it made my life, <laughs> it made my life easy. But yeah, we went big, and it just it, it did as well. I mean, we amazing run of I think it was like, like what was it, ten Kings Cup in a row, and like eight out of ten leagues or something stupid like that. Yeah, we'd um, we finished. Uh, third in Europe on a number of times. We've won Euro Cup twice. We've been to like five finals of Euro Cup. Yeah. And yeah, just from going, absolutely going big and obviously having the little superstar in Sarah of Welter, the girl that plays for us, like she was like an absolute key to what we did. Makes it all happen. Absolutely. And then obviously we've changed up this year. We're a new group and we're just, um, it's a bit of a, a team that's in, in, in progress and, you know, we're looking ahead to next season already because, you know, people look at us the last season and say, oh, it was a failure, you failed. Well, did we really... Well, hang on a minute. You look at the league. The league's ridiculous, man. Yeah. Like you look at teams like you know James's ex team, Canarias, and Bilbao and Albacete and all them teams. The levels, the levels, incredible, man. That's yeah, man. There incredible. were five teams that at the start of the year you might have looked at and be like, ah, oh, they've got a shot. I'm putting us in there because we got close. But like, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Like, maybe, like I'm sure no one actually did that for us. But, but I mean, there's five teams that you could have reasonably said, ah, they could. There's five, this there's, there's five teams that felt like they could do it when they looked at the competition. Um, yeah, we thought that. We, like, we, we sat there and thought, yeah, we could win the league. I mean, like I said, I think Canarias were thinking that. I think Albacete were thinking that. I mean, we did uh, Albacete like two times in the league, home and away. Yeah. We, we won uh, Gran Canaria and Gran Canaria. Fuming. You know, stuff like Fuming. that. So, yeah, like the, the level's just ridiculous, man. I, I, this is a great time to bring up the fact that you did a rolled interview that you said, you called out every other team on the podcast and you said, Bilbao, if you don't come second, you failed. Gran Canaria, if you don't come third, you failed. Albacete, if you don't win the league, you failed. If we don't win the league, you failed. I just wanted, oh, to, bring, I just on, wanted to bring this up on. because Rose Hollerman, if you're well, listening, well, would absolutely hate me to not bring that up. Well, I didn't realize that Rose Hollerman was going to turn into Patrick Anderson. <laughs> I, I, I did. She just doesn't miss, man. I didn't realise that Gaz Chowdhury was going to have a season where he didn't miss. He's <laughs> had like the best season I've ever seen him play. Oh yeah, nuts! No, like a like a healthy guy. He's living the dream, man. I didn't, I didn't. I didn't think that every time I played against Albuquerque, Harry was going to play against against me. <laughs> All full court, bang! Right, so Terry. I can tell you that. I can tell you that. Ridiculous. Oh yeah, the league was nuts, man. Like that's that's the thing. Like, and I don't know what's going to happen next year and who's going where and what's happening. But like, I'm I imagine it'll be the same. I'll just say about time. About <laughs> time that someone else did it. Yeah. All time. right. Fair enough. But it's, I think it, it's interesting, man, because it's, um, 
like you say, it, it was as stacked as, as it's ever been. And the, there was kind of, like James said, at least five teams who were out to get it. And yeah. I, I think it's a tough, tough year for you guys, like you said, to be a work in progress as kind of an, a different group. But yeah. I think um, it's interesting because I think also Illunion get everybody's get everybody's best shot because of the kind of historical side of things. I do not know what Terry's doing. He's wandering around in the background. No, uh, but that's what you're saying there, though. In the past, <laughs> in the past, right? No, like in, the, in the past, we used to go on a basketball court and we'd already won. Yeah. Just because we'd had that much of a good run. And that happens, and I'm not talking out of school there, that happens in any sport. But you could, yeah, legit, we could be... We had we had games in the past where we were like ten or fifteen down going in the last quarter, but we just knew we were going to win. Uh, it's, it's all right, we'll get it. Uh, yeah, and that's how we felt though. And there was times like there was times before the games, like just be- before tip off, you push onto a court, and it didn't matter where you're playing, if you're at home or away, you just think we're just we're gonna we're just gonna win. We're just gonna get it done. Yeah, yeah. I th- a lot of your games have the have the feeling of like this is going back the last few years probably, but a lot of your guys' games had the feeling of like when you catch a a mid-season NBA game and it's a like a real title contending team versus like a good team and it's about a five-point game with a couple of minutes left and you know this year's Nets or whoever else it might be can be like oh what what's the score okay right let, let's go, let's go do this and like take the entire game over in the last few minutes yeah the thing of like how close are they ah no come on let's, yeah. <laughs> let's let's I'm done with this stop yeah. playing with your food like <laughs> but it's um I think it definitely is a thing that you got everybody's best shot. And I think, I don't know if I should do this on the podcast, but when um, when you guys finished third at Copa del Rey this year, we put on the bench units Instagram a thing saying, um, saying congratulations to you guys on on finishing third. And I got a response from somebody who was like, why are you congratulating Alunion? They've spent the most money out of anyone and they've had a terrible season. And it's like they've they haven't like they finished third typical, in the yeah typical world to your basketball tour like spend the most money well probably that's probably wrong um, <laughs> it's like it don't know just because people are used to winning do you know well, you everyone's used to us winning yeah so like that's a good thing yeah like, it's, yeah it's a good thing and, and of course people are going to celebrate that like the we didn't win again we've won that we've won that cup 10 times in a row man <laughs> yeah. like that's ridiculous yeah. like 10 times in a row and the thing about that post as well is like you posted saying that congratulations for coming third. Why did you post that? Because they came third. <laughs> we congratulated the team that won. Uh, we congratulated the team that got second, where did, uh, probably. Where did you come, James? Uh, we we got nowhere near it. Oh, okay. Well, no, we got one point, one, one point lost to Bilbao. Few. Uh, it, interestingly, the, um, the message saying that you guys had had a terrible season actually came from somebody whose team got just as far as James's did. So we'll um we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Mark, but, for God's sake. <laughs> it, was uh, it was me. That's what that was. <laughs> yeah, it was from someone whose team got as far as mine did and lost to Bilbao. <laughs> <laughs> but uh what was I gonna say? Um yeah, just any anything else on what you think went sort of wrong this season, or would you say it went wrong, or are you I don't know. Anything else to say about the season, yeah, basically? Because I, I want to push you on it for yeah, fun. Yeah, I'm not. You can you can push. I don't, I don't mind at all. Like, and again, I'll go back to that whole. You know, everyone expects Lunion to win. Everyone expects Lunion to win all the time, every single season. Listen, we lost. We lost Alejandro, man. Like that was massive for us. Um, yeah. So you went to Albacete. He he was massive for us. Listen, we we lost Rodney. You know, two big beasts, two huge guys that helped us out big time. 
and we brought in two amazing players in Jake and Greg, like absolute world class. But we're going a different way. Like you said earlier, we went, we were always went big. We're a little smaller now. But and I'm not looking for excuses. This this year the league's nuts, man. Yeah. Like it's it's like, like we spoke earlier. You look at the results. One team was winning away from home, then they were losing at home, then they were losing next week, then they're winning next week against different teams. Like it was crazy. Did we underachieve? Yeah, we did. We probably did because we lost we lost a couple of games that we shouldn't have lost. Genuinely we shouldn't have lost. Yeah. I had a crap season. Absolute rubbish season. Um, I'll take that. And yeah, let's just let's like I said, let's just see what happens next season. I was gonna say, do you want to talk any trash for next season? Do you want to put do you want to lay a marker down just so that we can use it to promote promote the podcast? Yeah. Anything yeah. to say about next season? <laughs> Get him a hand cam and it can be like the Joker scenes from the Dark Knight where he's rabbling away into the little close-up camera. Hey, are you gonna win the league next season or not? Tell us about yeah, it. All I'm gonna say is we're gonna bounce back. Okay, all that's right? boring. That's all I'm gonna say. You're right here first. Terry said you're gonna win the league. No, no. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I hope I do I tell you I hope I do win the league and the King's Cup and Euro Cup obviously all I was saying is you couldn't miss when you were vegetarian two seasons ago and couldn't buy, <laughs> couldn't buy a bucket this year I think it's meat go back, go back to being a veggie I've never been veggie my entire life and I'm terrible so like <laughs> uh, that. should we try it well, no, because I witnessed actually witnessed you shooting this morning, right? So I was I was your rebounder, wasn't I? Yeah. And you actually, that was a conditioning session for you, mate. Yeah, it was. It was number one, it was a conditioning session because I was absolutely flying all over the court getting your rebounds. And number two, I think you actually shot two air balls. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if I talk, to whoa, 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 you're going to a Paralympics, mate. Yeah, I'm terrible. You shot two air balls in yeah. practice. You do know that if I talk trash about myself, you talking trash about me isn't gonna hurt. <laughs> I, Listen, man, Ben Simmons has become infamous for not being able to make free throws. And have you seen the photos of this girl that he's out with at the moment? If that's what missing shots get you, gets you, then I am all for it. He's, <laughs> he, he, he's, he's in Wimbledon with, I think it's Maya Jammer. Yeah. Like, if it gets your Wimbledon seats, like, there you go. Yeah, well, he just doesn't shoot. Mark, he hits the ring, mate. Like, he doesn't airball. <laughs> There's a difference. Right, yeah. okay. Uh, so, so I guess off the back of this conversation, one thing we're not breaking the exclusive on is James Tuolumne on, by the sounds of it. No. no. Um, I think they're good maybe, for twos, mate. Maybe, maybe oh, yeah. when he improves a little. Maybe teach me to shoot then, man. <laughs> Been waiting. Could that, could that be the move for you? Three weeks. You haven't told me how to shoot yet. Do you just bring James in and not play him the entire season and he's just there for shooting drills? And then you're like, if you get good at these, you can play next year. I don't think I could bring him in just because the rebounding situation is ridiculous. You're <laughs> you've got a guy who rebounds for your rebounders on the staff. You've got like <laughs> 19 staff at Champions Cup, and I was sitting watching, being like, "So that guy's the physio. This guy massages the physio's wrists. You've got a rebounder. <laughs> you've got a guy who rebounds for the rebounder when he's yeah, shooting." Yeah, and imagine, the imagine you burning them all out from your shots. Yeah, you're <laughs> mad. I'd just be there to get you under the basket, mate. Don't worry about it. Um, but anyway, we're not here Terry. to talk about me being terrible. I do enough of that. <laughs> Terry doesn't go under the basket is the other floor in that argument. No, um, anything below the free throw line is an unknown territory. <laughs> so, play, like, play like Harry did for Grand Canaria last year, just free throw line to free throw line. No, <laughs> no further, but but also, also <laughs> you're going to get there. So we've talked about how you kind of have brought people in year to year and how you've evaluated. I think one of the cool things about Illunion is kind of regardless of the, um, of the state of your season and how it goes, 
you guys don't tend to panic or overreact or do like crazy signings. You know, you don't you don't get beaten by one team one year and think, oh, we need to go and sign somebody to match up with this team. You guys just kind of stay the course and, um, you know, year over year, you either supplement it however or you just rely on the fact that you can roll the same group of guys out more or less every season and be as competitive as you always are. So yeah, do you think... Sorry, go Yeah, just to say on that, and people don't see the inside of the club. People don't see what goes on behind the scenes and stuff like that. They just, Like I said earlier, they just see Alunio winning all the time and think, oh, yeah, it's Alunio and they've won again. Wow. It's like, I think we won like... When was I was there? I heard some comments and remarks. I think it was only a few years ago. I think like it was our eighth King's Cup or something like that. And everyone was like, Yeah, well, yeah, another one. I was like, What do you mean? Another it's not just another one, mate. Like we've won it again. Yeah. <laughs> but, like you said, we're not gonna panic. There's no more than that. It's a it's a real family club. Yeah. Like that club has taken care of my family so much over the years, you know, and, and Greg will, will vouch for that. They're taking care of him now. So yeah, they're a real family club. We've got some great bosses and Great staff, and at the end of the day, I know the club always wants to win, but it's a little bit more than that to Lunion. Yeah. So to to follow that up with a, I guess a, a contradicting question: What would it take to get you out of there into a different club? I don't think I would now. Under no circumstances. Yeah, I think it's a tough one. I think I think I'm at a situation where, um, you know, the, my, my family, obviously now, my wife and my, my boy Benjamin, it's like they're huge and they're settled there and it's, uh, you know, kind of feels like home now. So I, don't, I, I think I think it wouldn't even come into question. I don't think I could, to be honest with you. And obviously now coming towards the end of my career and stuff like that, um, listen, if you'd have asked me, if you'd have asked me 10 years ago, the, the, the answer might have been different, but yeah. I just I just don't think so, mate. A couple more years, me and you go play for nights. We'll be fine. <laughs> We'll go and play in Belfast. I'll buy you a pint. It'll be great. It'll Two be great. on a weekend. There you go. There you go. No, I think that's it, man. I think Alunion have kind of been one of the clubs that have set that standard for player welfare. I don't know, obviously, but it looks like there are certain clubs that are like, we'll pay you, we'll give you somewhere to live, and we'll see you at training. And then there's a handful of clubs that really, really look after people. And there's more and more. And they're getting more and more legitimate and like people are getting paid more consistently and it's kind of real businesses now rather than some weird we'll pay you in cash stuff that it used to be. And I think it's really, really positive sort of step towards wheelchair basketball players getting looked after, which I think is the thing we care about. Like we're players. Yeah. We're here to talk about wheelchair basketball players. Um, but I think Alunion are one of the teams that are really, really up there in terms of being like a big organization and, a legitimate sort of business. And I know I make the jokes, but like, it's unbelievable that you guys have like performance analysis and a physio and like, I make a joke, but it might've actually been like seven staff members, which is class because any legitimate team in a sport that's well supported has that many staff members. Like, yeah. And I think, I think you got to look at, I think you got to look at all the teams though now, man. You look at teams like, especially for the players that are coming here to Spain to play. You look at teams like Bilbao now and Albuquerque, and you know even you guys, Canarias. How many people are coming over to play? And you, every year your team's moving forward. It's getting bigger. It's getting stronger. More players, more staff, and that's just good for wheelchair basketball in general, isn't it? I guess. Yeah, because if the players are moving forward and kind of becoming better and doing more, it only makes sense that the sort of framework that they're operating within improves. Because like we're there to win games, and you're there to help us win games. Is kind of the whole thing like coaches there to help the players win games physio is there to 
make sure that you're on the floor. Like, you know, all going in the same direction. It's really, really cool to see. I think yeah. that wheelchair basketball is now not kind of a bit like there's less clubs that people go out to kind of nervous that they're not yeah. going to yeah. get to quarters. What if they just put me in the shed kind of feeling? Um, <laughs> that, Terry, like, you... A bit like when I was in Sheffield, do you? <laughs> I felt like when we go back to uh, Belfast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you leg to play for the club. Lollipops and uh, <laughs> beer. No, yeah, nothing, so nothing to do with me, man. Nothing Every to do so often. You get the drumstick lolly after a game. <laughs> um, you mentioned, Tell, about how difficult it would be for you to leave now. So with, with that in mind, what was it? What was kind of the impact on you and the club generally, I guess, when Alejandro said he was leaving? Because he's been your teammate forever, right? So that must have been, if not a shock, then that's certainly like a a piece of the foundation being chipped away, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was a little angry about all, to be honest with you. Um, obviously, I'd played for him for a long time. And, you know, I, me and him, we knew each other inside out and we'd had some fantastic games and tournaments over the years and just felt obviously just felt comfortable with Alejandro on the floor like he's an amazing player he's, okay. he's just absolutely huge but not only not only in defence for us he wasn't necessarily a guy that used to score 20 points every game but he helped me score 20 points every game just from sitting behind him yeah. like you know what I mean like playing a two-man game with him was just easy like well Gaz knows it now Gaz like he'll see how great it is playing with him so yeah I was I was I was obviously I was angered by it all I wasn't happy at all like I was losing a huge part of our a huge part of our team but you know what and I'm telling the truth as soon as I found out I mean I was maybe peed off for a couple of days I was just like you know what it is what it is like he's gone for whatever what reasons I don't care like let him do what he wants to do and let's yeah. just move on that's working well he's um even if Elunion didn't get the didn't get the copper del Rey this year, he's keeping the streak alive, I guess, because it's followed him to Rome. Yeah, yeah, I know. I think yeah, I think that's like maybe about eight for him in a row now, or something like that. <laughs> Seven in a row. But yeah, it's um like you say, Gazel Telia and other people that have played him. He's a good, yeah. he's a good player, man. He's like he's a world class player. He's, he's one of the best bigs in the world. And obviously we were going to be different without him. But it doesn't matter because we've got the MVP in the world in Greg now. So Greg. next yeah. year he'll be uh, a little superstar, no doubt. Yeah. And you've um me and James talked about this on a on a previous episode, but you've kind of got you've obviously got guys who are kind of points relevant to replacing Alejandro's role in terms of Pablo and Amadou. And you've got um Ignacio is his name, Ortega, the um the young double amp kid who's playing as a three right now. Um, I'd not really seen a lot of him prior to a couple of games this year where he came on strong, but he's looking like a good a good prospect for you guys, and like he'll kind of carry the torch going forward a bit, I guess. Well, remember this day when I say right now, I think he's going to be one of the best players in the world. Cool, I really do. We'll use that, we'll use that for the soundbite for this episode. Yeah, absolutely. The, the way he's improving, like on a daily basis. When we were, when he went back to America, like we could, we suffered. We suffered in our practices because yeah. the practices just dropped. Like he's just a young kid that's full of energy. He's fast as anything, strong as an ox, can score, and uh, he's he's the perfect wheelchair basketball player. He's a double amputee. He yeah. sits tall, and I don't know, man. He's gonna be he's gonna be some player. In, but I hope he's kind of not because he's Spanish. So. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. You'll be retired by then, man. It'll be fine. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. That was a really interesting one because he kind of didn't 
play there was some i don't know what went on maybe it was like registration or whatever some games he didn't even suit up for at the start of the season like i know he was doing the commentary when we came to play you in the first half of the season so i don't know obviously paperwork or whatever it was went on there but it was champions cup that he first played that i saw him and it was as if it was as if, and obviously I'd give your coach far more credit than that, but it was as if he was like, oh yeah, this guy, yeah, sick. <laughs> Which is like not the case, but he played it a, he plays as a four in Champions Cup. And yeah. Played and was good. And then came the back to the league. Could, the story could have been also different, you know, if he just stayed. Like if he just stayed for the full season and played all the league and stuff like that. And because he, he had a huge impact on us, man. Like, I don't know. I'm not saying we would have won the league. I'm not saying we would have won the Kings Cup. We, we probably would have done. We may, maybe we wouldn't have done. It would have I think improved it made a huge difference to us if we'd have had him for, for all the games. Like, Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, he's a, he's a good player, man. It's um, it's almost like with, with you guys get having him for a portion of the season, it's almost like the, the rich getting richer kind of thing, where it's just like, oh, they've got, you know, Terry, Bill, Pablo, Amadou, I guess they got the, this huge set of bigs. It's like, oh, and we'll throw in this guy who's the quick one and he can bring a different element to the game as well. So, yeah, man. I think it's exciting because, like, I don't know, for like, I guess the next superstars of the sport, the next, the next generation, the next players who you're going to be looking up to and, and watch play and think, you know, I want to be like him. He's going to be that kid. Like yeah. you said, he's still young and he's improving at such a ridiculous rate. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's gonna uh, he's gonna be a real player, man. Wicked. That's so. cool, man. I'm glad. Um, I'm glad you've confirmed that because we were on an episode probably a few months ago, being like, "Hey, we think this. We think this guy might be pretty good." So we've heard it from the um, from the source of truth on all things Alunion now. So if we're wrong, then it's down to you as well. <laughs> yeah, well, James is still young enough, so you might you might even get lucky to play with him one day. You might be picking for him. Maybe. <laughs> he, might, he might be screening for you, James. Maybe if, if you teach me how to shoot. Well, today I don't think I can teach you how to shoot. Oh, lost cause. All right, you heard it here first. You heard it here first. Um, okay. Yeah. On that confidence boosting note, shall we? Um, now we know the squads in place. Shall we talk a little bit about your guys' kind of Tokyo prep and what's coming on down the road? Let's do it, man. So, yeah. How's it looking, Terry? You've done this before. You know what it's meant to look like. How do you feel we're shaping up for Tokyo? It was looking good until today's shooting session. <laughs> I'm not going to shoot. I will take, <laughs> I guarantee you, I take single figure shots in the whole of the Paralympics. I hope you do. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll make less than nah. a quarter of them. Legit. <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. It's just exciting. It's another new group. Um, a totally different, a totally different team from the team that won in 2018. Like yeah. just a, a group that we've only been together for a few weeks now, and I don't know. It's, it could even it could go out, like either way. We're going to go out there and obviously get all the way to the the, the final and, and win a gold, or be legit. I don't know, fourth, fifth, sixth. It's, it's that type of tournament. Like that's, <laughs> ah, don't hear it. Don't hear it. Going all the way. It's uh, it's I don't know. It's it's going to be a tough one, man. It's going to we're going at the unknown, like the absolute unknown. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's um, it's interesting. One thing I didn't really think about until I, I looked at the team list that got put out and James wrote that Instagram post congratulating himself. Um, <laughs> I did not. Uh, did you see that? No. Mark, Mark posted on the bench unit Instagram being like, hey, congrats to our 
what 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 oh, what did you, it, did you it was like it was like congratulations to me and then like your tag in brackets and like on my selection to the to- Tokyo Paralympics you guys are all so proud of me or something like that. <laughs> um, but anyway yeah the um I think the team thing is an interesting one because in a in a way the 2018 team you just mentioned was like massively different to the previous Paralympics team that was two years before not so much in like the 12 selected but in terms of the units that were played and like the change in in approach and now it's like well three years on but should be two years on at this point and it's yeah it's all kind of changed again and there's a lot of first time Paralympians in, in this squad I guess so it's it's almost unknown territory for the reigning world champions to be kind of coming in and finding their feet again yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't know if it's finding your feet. I think we've got a world-class team still. We've got some amazing players. I think the thing with this group is it's super exciting because we've got five or six newcomers in the group, which is always good. Yeah. Uh, when I said earlier there about going all the way, we could go there and win gold or finish fifth, sixth and seventh. Well, that's for any team. That yeah. you, you try telling Spain that or USA that, are you going to go win gold? Well, of course we are. Tell <laughs> Germany that, are you going to win gold? Well, of course we are. Well, there's only one gold medal, isn't it? Yeah. So like There's 12. Well, yeah, 12. <laughs> uh, sorry. Oh, you're amazing. I wish you were as good as you were shooting. <laughs> really, it's really not the groundbreaking joke that you think it is to say that I can't shoot. Like, it's, it's not, you're not telling anyone anything they don't know. Uh, but it's one of them, isn't it? It's like, what, what, what do you want? Like, we're here now with a new team. Like, it was an amazing team. You look at the players we've got. We, we've got one of the best four and a half in the world in Lee. Yeah. We've got Gaz Chowdhury, who's had the best season probably in the world of wheelchair basketball this year. Been absolutely yeah. phenomenal. Still got Harry, one of the best defenders in the world. We've got the MVP of the world in Greg. Yeah. You know, and all the newcomers that have come into the group now, we're, we're still an amazing group. And we we, we definitely can go to Tokyo and, and win gold. That's that's absolutely we can. But yeah. for those of you that are not being a part of the games, it's a roller coaster ride, man. You need a little bit of luck here and there. You need what, what crossover we're going to get, where we're going to finish in the group. There's a whole number of factors that come into it. But are we going to win, go to Tokyo and win gold? Absolutely, of course we are. We're going out there to win it. Absolutely. Yeah. Give you a good send-off into retirement. Ah, there's life in the old dog yet. <laughs> it's all about retirement. <laughs> Me? I'm retiring in 2032. <laughs> <laughs> If you're still around by 2032, I cannot, considering James made the joke about you just going free throw line to free throw line, I can't imagine the lack of ground you'll be covering in 2032. <laughs> inside the charge, the um, centre circle, sorry, just end-to-end and hoisting a as shot. As long as I can still reach the basket. Because then you're going awesome. to you're gonna extend your range even further so you don't have to go as far. That's the only reason you shoot threes, isn't it? <laughs> Too far. That's another 15 feet you don't need to be doing. As soon as I'm open, just jack it up, lad. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, in terms of the... You mentioned about the um, the squad. It's obviously a bit of a different mix. Is there, without getting you guys to give away the trade secrets to anyone who is or isn't listening, have you guys stumbled on a lineup in trading yet where you're like, oh, people aren't going to be ready for this one? Or, you know, no, nobody's seen this one before or there's no, there's no video for people to look at? Yeah, found that today. It's me, James, Abdi, Jimmy, and and Greg. <laughs> I think that's over points, man. I don't know if we're able to play that. Um, no, we, we, we find some stuff. Yeah, we're obviously this. That's the thing, like, looking at 
the squad we've ended up with, obviously we've had a couple of people who aren't here for various different reasons that we all fully respect. And yeah, yeah um, hope everyone's doing great. But we still have bags of talent yeah. between the 12 of us, like between the 11 of them. <laughs> but yeah, Terry loves that. Terry loves me hating myself and I don't know how to feel about it. But um, yeah, like we still have lineups that we can roll out with five unbelievable basketball players uh, that works really well and got a good system and we've got a good setup and we're well put together and well coached and yeah I don't you, see what we can are, do. Are you actually in any of them fives? No. That's why I said <laughs> no. five. No but so, somebody in those five somebody in those fives is going to get thirsty and somebody's got to be around to hand the drinks out right? <laughs> and I'll have them a drink. <laughs> with a smash um, behind a mask. I only want to play so I can take my mask off. I, I don't know. I don't know how that's all going to go either. Uh, we'll probably have to litigate all of that at some point. But he's, he's only happy because he's got loads of kids. <laughs> oh yeah, like I again, I can dip out at any point. I keep saying if England win the Euros on Sunday, I'm just leaving. I've already got my kit. I'm done. Like <laughs> the best bit's over. Like I've got, I've got the likes on Instagram. And I've got my kit. <laughs> that's it, mate. The two oh, yeah. measures, the, go- the gold, gold medals, just additional to all those things, right? A like for each shot I've made at any of these camps. Seven. <laughs> yeah, you got five likes on Instagram. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, I don't know where to go with that because I feel like the the more we um the more we talk about anything that's actually like performance related, the more Terry's just going to cripple James's confidence on this. No, see, so yeah, I'll stop that now. I've told the I've told the millions of listeners that yeah, balled it twice, so we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Um, don't worry about it, Terry. One thing we said we were going to ask you, we we joked about kind of retirement a second ago there, and you said you're gonna you're gonna cling on for at least another ten years. Um, in terms of your game and the way you play and the way you've been able to play with kind of so many bigs around you that you know you've said make the game very easy for you to you know play your your outside shooting role. Do you see anyone, be it kind of GB side internationally or you know, potentially, if you're having to advise Illunion on who to bring in as your kind of heir or successor, is there anyone in the game right now that you feel is coming through who kind of is the Terry Bywater prototype? I'm not sure if they want to be Terry Bywater, but, you know. <laughs> now, there's a couple. Uh, I'm not going to name names because there's a couple out there that I'd, uh, yeah, I think the team already know about. But even right. there's, there's, a, there's a few lads even coming through the GB setup. Yeah, like, yeah. there's a few... There's a few uh, players that, I don't know, they've just got a hell of a future ahead of them if they, if they go the right way. But it's up to them at the end of the day. Like, they've got all the talent in the world. But, you know, if they don't, if they don't put the effort in, they're not going to make it. But I don't know, it's the first time I played with a kid here at the GB camp. And I've just got on with him great. I mean, I'm 38 year old. I think he's like, I think he's 18 or so 19, 19 man, or something yeah. like that he is. And another one that I just... Me, think, isn't it? I'm 26, Terry. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just think he's got a great future ahead of him, and you know it, we're lucky enough because there's a few of them out there. But you know, and and I hope he doesn't listen to this because I've got a lot of time for him. I and mean, I know we've already spoke about him, but I just think that I just think that Pincho could be a real, a real all-round player and a player that other kids are going to look up to and 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 think, yeah, that could be like the next Terry or the next Patrick or the next Troy. Or I just think he's got everything. Have I seen anyone else that really has what he's got? Probably not at this stage, you know, with an outside game and an inside game, passing, chair work. Uh, but yeah, there's a there's a there's a couple of them. Huh? Wicked. 
Awesome. I think that's everything from us. Shall we hit the many questions from our listeners? Yes. So if you're listening to this and you somehow haven't found it via social media or whatever, anytime we have a guest on, we put out for questions through our Instagram at Bench Units or Twitter at Bench Units. So get on there, follow us. Please interact with all the stuff. It it makes it makes us happy and it probably pushes this a little bit and it makes the podcast better. So actually Terry's been pretty good for um good for racking followers up. He's pro- we've probably got the most impact off a guest already off Terry joining us. Yeah, you brought the numbers in, man. Yeah, we didn't get no questions. I asked all the questions. He <laughs> asked for questions on Twitter and no one no one I said all the questions on Instagram and Twitter. Nobody's interested. It's 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 fine. We've got a handful here. So some of them are very lighthearted and some of them are absolutely not. Really? Okay. Are you nervous about the higher risk of getting COVID from Tokyo with their emergency <laughs> status at the moment? Oh, wow. Don't get fired. Play it safe. <laughs> it's, uh, unfortunately, it's one of them. I, I don't know the answer to it because we're going into the unknown and I don't know what it's going to be like. We just have to, we just have to follow every single rule going you know, all the, all the mask situation, the social distancing, the washing hands, we've been doing it every single day since we've been here, so we know what it's all about. So we'll just, we'll go out there and hopefully just, just yeah, just stay safe. It must, yeah. it must suit you all right, folks. From I remember you're a bit of a, um, you've got a, a little bit of an OCD streak around keeping, keeping clean and stuff. Is that right? No, Mark, I'm just clean. Well, <laughs> I, I had, um, you lived with Harry for long enough and Harry would be like, I can't leave the room for more than like 12 seconds without Terry like standing up and doing a quick tidy up of everything he can reach. So <laughs> I'd say that there's a little bit of OCD there. I like that thing of being like, no, I don't have anything in terms of like, a, I'm not a clean freak. You guys are all just dirty. <laughs> <laughs> While we're on about your weird compulsions, Terry, are you still scared of um, wooden sticks? Like why, why would you even mention that? Because huh? I very, very like, afraid of lollipop sticks. Like, so why was it for a long, long time? Yeah, moving on. Next question. <laughs> that's 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 a maybe. <laughs> okay, toughest personal opponent. Toughest personal opponent. Wow. Um. Probably, probably Troy Sachs. Troy Sachs. Nice. Beast of a man. Who'd win if the two of you played right now? If you played one on one? Well, what are we going to? Six. Three. Six? <laughs> well, me, I'd just knock down two threes, wouldn't I? Game over. One of those, he checks it. You just launch it. He checks I wouldn't it. check it. Would he from the halfway line? <laughs> That's what I mean. He had you the ball. Absolutely, yeah. me. Six zero. Wicked. Okay, what about going to 21? Still hey. good. Him, twenty six. <laughs> <laughs> you miss your third three, and then it's over. He's probably there. Is probably a certain element of like one on ones where there's certain guys that can shoot the ball so well, and when you're in a chair, there's a level of undeniability where people can't jump to block your shot. So it's like if you make your first one, it's like shoot till you miss. No, seriously though, for people who listen to this and not watched him, like typing something like I don't know, uh, the final from like 2008 in Beijing. Just watch him play. Just watch yeah. Troy play. Like, amazing. There's some video from Sydney online of them playing GB, actually, and I think there's some of them playing the the USA as well. And he's just doing stuff that people do now as part yeah, of yeah, the yeah. modern game. Yeah. But 
20 years ago. Like all completely that, nuts. All that tilting and stuff and all that work. Like he used to do that back in the day for fun. Oh, yeah. 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 Cool. Okay. What's it like tra- uh, training with Tyler Baines, who wasn't even born at your first Paralympics? <laughs> has he asked that question, has he? Uh, no, not him. Because I'm going to see him tomorrow. He didn't, he didn't ask it. Someone oh, else did. Goodness. Someone else did. I'll tell you who it is, but we're keeping the questions anonymous just so that people can write in and murk. <laughs> no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to answer this with a serious question because I love that stuff. Like, I absolutely love it. Because, you know, you both, both of you know fine well how much, how much wheelchair basketball means to me. Like, you know, I, I wouldn't be sat here now on the show and I wouldn't be still playing. Like, I absolutely love the sport of wheelchair basketball. So seeing kids like him come through, it's exciting, man. Like, it genuinely is. Like, the future's looking bright. Do you know what I mean? The, like, the future of wheelchair basketball is looking bright with people people like come, him coming through. Yeah, I love absolutely, it, man. man. Love it. Um, most memorable tournament, international or club? Wow. Well, I've had so many. Um if you if you can't pick one, you can rank all of them in order. We've had so many. Correct. <laughs> you know what? I'll go to um. I'll go to. I'll go to. I'll go to Beijing. Beijing in two thousand eight was massive for us. It was absolutely huge. It was a proper like roller coaster of a tournament. The stuff that was going on behind the scenes and stuff like that, and then obviously finding ourselves in a in a bronze medal game against the USA that were probably one of my favourites at the time. And it was just me- very memorable for me for personal reasons because I think I had like over 30 in a bronze medal game. And like I think that was the that was the time that I, I was probably known in the wheelchair basketball world that yeah, Terry, Terry's kind of hit the hit the scene, so to speak, Dang. after that moment. Jeez, not bad. Cool. What's your favorite song and why? Favorite song. Do you know Despacito. what? <laughs> That new probably one. not my favorite, but the one that's always in my head is probably Mr. Brightside because my wife. Every time she listens to that song, she just gets up and goes mental. <laughs> it's a banger. <laughs> yeah, it's a banger, but it's one of them where everyone just dances to it, don't they? When the uh, yeah when it comes on, best song probably, of the two thousands. Uh, well, our music taste is crap anyway. <laughs> <laughs> just, just the into the thick of it TikTok song. No, into the thick of it. <laughs> okay, that's the soundbite. Cool. <laughs> If you could read the mind of a rival during a game, who would you choose? Steve Serio or Patrick Anderson? Depends who you're playing. No point reading the mind of yeah, someone if who's play, If I'm playing Canada, I'm not going to read Steve's mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> reading the no. mind of someone who's just going, what, what am I for lunch at this tournament? To be fair, if you, if you were playing the USA and Pat was watching, it'd be actually pretty useful to read his mind because I bet he could diagnose everything that, that you needed to and they know, Yeah, and they know each other well, so you probably you probably could do that. Listening to, listening to someone on the sideline be like, here's what I would do. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I, I probably can't answer that question, sorry, because they're both... They're yeah, both that's like, a, that was a... Superstars, aren't they? So, like you said, Stephen, Stephen Parry are just yeah, just yeah. just amazing players. I'd always think that oh, that'd be fun to think like we're saying the same game, but like how do people see it? And like you have conversations with people and the way they describe how some things are happening on the floor. You're like, what do you mean? That's how you categorize things. Like, <laughs> what do you mean you block out the court in this way or like you see things like strange, man? But okay, can you say anything in Japanese? Konnichiwa. Nice. Nice one. There we go. That's that one ticked off. <laughs> Arigato. Cool. Uh, best game you've played in? Best game I've played in? 
Challenge Cup 2012. <laughs> yeah, give him Mark the ball for a lip. <laughs> oh, it was you that passed it and all. Special. It was. Did you frame the stat of the assist? He's got, he's got his wall there behind it now somewhere. <laughs> Just it yeah, definitely. Um, London 2012 quarterfinal against Turkey. What a game. Because, oh yeah, that was a big one. Yeah, if you've not if you've not watched wheelchair basketball before, if you Google that and watch that on YouTube, the game's nuts. And again, from a from a team perspective and from a personal level, just the way we were, we went so many, like I think we went like something stupid like ten or twelve points up. Then we find ourselves only two points up. Um, I had to hit some huge free throws. I think we were winning only by one or something like that. We we're like about a minute not to go. Uh, and the crowd, the crowd, oh my God, the crowd in London was incredible. Absolutely incredible. I remember, I watch it back sometimes. Um, I remember when I was on the free throw line, and like the stadium goes quiet. And then the commentators used to say my name, bye, what, bye, what. And when the ball goes in, oh, the crowd, bye. man, it's ridiculous. Ridiculous. That's that's amazing. I'm saying like home Paralympics is just yeah. different gravy altogether. Like so many people think of the chances of you getting to experience that I know but it was one of them ones where it was it was both great and crap at the same time because obviously we didn't medal but you know playing in front of that oh man playing in front of them crowds a home crowd that yeah. was special then. yeah cool okay so I'm going to shout out the the asker of this question because they very intentionally made a pun oh, so nice. Rose Hollerman has asked how terrible terrible of a room <laughs> is James Terrible. <laughs> Shut up, Rose. <laughs> you're not bad. I just like, like I said earlier, you just need to make me more cups of teas, please. All right, no worries. Every single morning, like it's the only need... thing you ever ask of me. Well, yeah, we need to tell everyone that every single morning I bring you a cup of tea. You nearly to... every morning. Nearly every morning. Hey, these this is this is a top this is a top roommate. And you need to bring more snacks. Cool. All right. And you need to stop breathing like you do while you're sleeping, dude. You got this random like, like I don't know. You just. Yeah, noisy. Like, stop. While we're about it, Terry, have you had any of James's sleep talking yet? I actually, no, I've heard him mumble, right? So apparently he told me that he talks. I've heard him mumble a few times, but it's his breathing. It's quite right. like, it gets quite like um, exotic sometimes. Like Exotic? <laughs> God knows what I'm thinking. We'll never know. It's, it's, it's strange. That's for a different podcast. It's my, um, my memory of Rumi and James is in muttering as he falls asleep and also. He's able to do the thing where I think when we're in Japan, the only light switch in the room was right by the door and I was in the bed that was nearest. So I had to like get up, get to the door, hit the light switch. And literally like, I don't know how James does it, but as the light switch is like partway down and the light's not even turned off yet, you like turn around and James is already fast asleep and snoring. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I must have was, it's, it is my God-given talent. You sleep quick. It is my God-given talent, because it's obviously not shooting. So, <laughs> and, he, and he wraps himself up like a little Eskimo, doesn't he? Like, puts his, like, <laughs> his head and stuff like that. And we, the two of us, that tournament, the amount about we were a state, because James was talking in his sleep and, like, falling asleep before the lights were even off. I had, like, semi-jet lag that meant I fell asleep for, like, an hour in the evening every day, like an old man. Yeah, my <laughs> Like pensioner jet lag where you'd sleep through the night, but you'd also just be like half seven to half eight every day. You'd just be unconscious. <laughs> okay, so... But you're uh, not bad, you're not bad. I'm not bad, I'm okay. Um, bad. Yes, so next question. How'd you learn to shoot like that? 
that's also Rose. And it's like, hey, Rose, you can also shoot. Well, yeah, you, definitely. You Rose. <laughs> save, Rose, save the expertise for the people who need it. Now, Terry, <laughs> tell everyone, how'd you learn to shoot like that? Well, like I said before, definitely not from you. Okay, but give us a real answer. Mark, please. back in the day when we were in Sheffield Steelers. There you go, that's CP. That's CP <laughs> release. He used to give me all the tips, and like he was just like basically saying, Terry, look, just don't shoot with two hands, bro. Like, you need to shoot with one hand. So I started shooting with one hand. Oh, it was Mark that taught you? Okay, cool. I don't know. Just, I guess I guess I got lucky, man. I guess I don't know, a bit of natural talent in there. And like I said, when I started, when I started back in the day, I'd never picked up a basketball before. I'd like I was always football mad. Um and I well, for any youngsters out there listening and, and, and future Paralympians, I guess shoot the basketball one hand as early as possible. Yeah. That's a little bit of a tip. I remember back in the day in, in Teesside Lions, that the first club that I played at, and we had a, our first coach, he just got me shooting the ball one hand immediately. So maybe, Brilliant. you know, yeah. one hand immediately. Yeah, because you, you, you're um, pretty close to where you need to be right away. Yeah. yeah. Did you tell, just out of interest, because this is something that Richard Noche talked about, were, were you kind of the, the old school way they developed bigs where you played inside first for a long time and then they were like, now let's let's move this guy to play in, you know, behind the screen or whatever? Or were you kind of always a, a perimeter guy from day one? Yeah, well, I had a bit of a mixture. It was like, obviously, when I first started in the team and the, the new coach took over, obviously, he knew that I had like a little bit of a range in my shot and I could shoot the ball, obviously, from far out. So I had a bit of a, like I said earlier, this is why I got lucky, I guess. I had a bit like of a free roll. Yeah. So whether I went inside or outside, it didn't quite matter. And then obviously, when uh, we got took over and the second coach came in, he tried to change my game a little bit. Made, wanted me to be more of like a mismatch shooter. Uh, go inside more, finish off inside more, basically that middle distance range. And then obviously that that led out to getting out to the three-point line and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, you know, you, people could say I have got a little bit lucky, but I've just had that option to, I guess, to shoot all over the floor. And that's helped me big time. And off the back of that, what would you say to, say, bigs who are com- coming in now and kind of starting to find themselves? Do you... Would you tell those guys to work on their inside game first and work out from there, or do you think freedom from like day one is is worth the whatever gains that might give you? Yeah, good question, mate. I'm always going to say freedom. I'm always going to say that because I just don't think it should be like a one trick pony, so to speak. I think you should have that freedom to develop your game and shoot everywhere. And I think, and I, and and I hope he doesn't mind me saying, but I've been lucky enough to play with uh, Bill Bill Latham for a number of years now. And when he first came into the into the team, like we bought him as a big and wanted him to go inside, pick and roll, shoot inside, finish off inside. And for the first few seasons, that's all he did. But then he developed all of a sudden, he developed a mismatch. And then he developed a mismatch two feet further away, then four feet further away. And now you watch him now, and you know, there's times when he's he's got a mismatch and he's scoring just in front of the three-point line. Yeah. So he's a perfect example, I think. Yeah, there's uh, there's some big Illuminion games where like you're getting swarmed or whatever, and it's like, you know, two guards on you and you know limiting your movement, and they they're putting the bigs on the rollers inside, and it's like oh throw it to Bill who's got like a two on one post up behind the screen, and that's like an eighty percent shot minimum at this point. Absolutely, man. Like no legit, absolutely. He's his mismatch shot now. It's probably it might be one of the, one of the best in the world for like range wise. Yeah, and he's only developed that over a number of time. Yeah. So, yeah, freedom for me all day long. Freedom. Okay. Cool. What goes through your mind before you shoot a three? 
Don't miss. Don't miss. Don't miss. No, nothing. What would do? <laughs> I, you know what? It's just, I think when you're comfortable shooting a three-point shot, you know you've got that range. Like, the biggest thing you can worry about is the three-point line. Everybody worries about the three-point line. Like, it's one of the things that I used to struggle with back in the day. You think, oh, crap, I'm like, I'm at the three-point line. If, if, if you're serious about basketball and you know basketball, whether it's running basketball or wheelchair basketball, if you take that three-point line away, more shots are scored for sure. Mm. I don't know if you agree with that, but yeah. I, I think more shots are scored for sure. Yeah, I feel like people might sort of change their mechanics a millimeter behind the line instead of just in front of it. Yeah, sure. or you're watching the line and thinking, where's the line? Or oh, this is a three now and stuff like that. I don't know, because when you have that little bit of like killer instinct in you, like the minute you have a little bit of space to shoot or yeah, there's nothing better than scoring a three. I'm not, I'm not talking out of school there. It's like, it's no. a class. It's, yeah. um, what, yeah. One of my memories from you, one of the times you trained with us at um, Steelers post your injury, I remember doing whatever game it was like, be it killer or, no, not killer, sorry, um, cutthroat and we're, you know, rotating teams in and out. And somebody jumped you off a pick above the three-point line and I was the next defender up and I was like a full chair length chair length above the three-point line and you rolled and shot it over me. I was like, I, I was like, I think I did what I was meant to do there. And somebody pulled me aside and was like, no, you've got to be like three, four feet minimum above the three-point line. I was like, okay, I, I've never played against anybody where that's the rules. <laughs> yeah. yeah, again, just that little bit of luck. I've always had a range. I've always had a range on my shot. Yeah. I mean, that does come down mechanics and stuff like that. But, you know, if, if people are doing that now, like what's it going to be like in five years' time? Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do? Move the three-point line back again? Four-point line. Yeah, There's yeah. more and more guys now that it's like five feet behind the line. If you're not there, they might pull it. Yeah. Like there's still only a handful, but like that was not the case. Yeah. And I play with Jake, man. I've not like that guy. Oh, he's just locked and loaded, man. Like he, like you said, t- you just said to me there, yeah, I was like three or four feet away from the line. He's like eight to 10, 12. <laughs> it's ridiculous, man. The range he has. Yeah. I think that's like a real adjustment you have to make. Like I had one that you shot over me earlier today that it was like, you got jumped and the person who was picking the guy that jumped you was probably outside the three-point line as well. And I was the next person up and I was like, okay, this is my job to get over there. And I was like level with the screen. And that wasn't like, I had to get above all of that to have any chance. It was like, oh, okay. That's just, you have to kind of adjust what the right thing to do is with a handful of shooters and you're for sure one of them. And that's kind of what the range, what kind of what the range does where it's like, yeah, you kind yeah. of think, okay, I'm just outside the three point line. I'm good. Like if they make that, that's too good. And it might be the case, but got to extend it further to figure it out. And it's nuts. Cause it doesn't just like happen once in a blue moon. Like you see it regularly now in games yeah, where people are just knocking threes down from like two, three chair lengths away. And it's such a momentum thing as well, man. Like, you go on like a six point run of like three two point shot with like say two layups and a 15 footer. Someone comes down and shoots a three and you're like, ah, crap, we're in trouble. <laughs> you're like, well, no, like kind of, but um, okay. So which Paralympic experience has been your favorite so far? I've had, obviously the first one in Sydney was nuts going as a kid. Um, but I probably wouldn't say it was my favourite because I wasn't obviously involved on the, on the court and stuff like that. Basically went along for a for a free baseball cap and a few T-shirts. But <laughs> um, Pro- profile I, picture. I, I'd, I'd always answer the same question in London. And 
it's quite crazy because it was my best and my worst. Yeah. But I'd always say London, just to, just to, to play in our home venue with all the crowd and all that stuff, you know, that went on behind the scenes. It was fantastic. But at the end of the day, we finished fourth and we were crap and we didn't win. And <laughs> it was a nightmare. And Finishing fourth. Blah, blah, blah. Crap. So, yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a bitter, sweet Paralympics. Huh? Yeah, man, absolutely. Okay, so question that I'm not sure you'll be able to answer, but I'd love to hear you try and do the maths. Oh, wow. How many threes have you made? <laughs> okay, so considering that's not a question you'll be able to get to, do you, do you have like a consistent shooting routine? Like, do you take the same much shots every week or do you go into the gym and do the same thing every day or... Because I wanted to say, like, how many threes do you make in a week in practice is, like, maybe a question you might be able it's to impossible. ask. Yeah, it's absolutely impossible to, to answer it. I'd like to think that I'd probably made the most threes. Or one of the person, one of the, I don't know, top top three, top five. If we go, if we go European League's last decade, I think you'd absolutely be number one. Like, who's close? Oscar, if you take... Yeah, Turkish yeah. leagues, maybe he's launching then. Yeah, yeah, probably. And he probably but, launches against the bad teams over there, like see, the 43s thing, a game. Yeah. See, the thing is with threes, right? Because everyone thinks threes are great. And in a running game and wheelchair basketball, they all think threes are great. And like I said earlier, there's nothing better than, than scoring a three-point shot. It's it's amazing. But like I think the biggest advice I could give that people are trying to work on the threes is just don't overthink it and don't overwork it. If you get in a gym and you shoot, and you genuinely shoot 20 threes, right? And you're happy with that then don't shoot no more threes because you can't force threes. In wheelchair basketball, if you're, if, if you're tired, it comes into effect. If, if you know, the, your mechanics uh, were sat so low in the chair, don't, mm. just don't, don't overdo it, man. Like, there's some days we'll do a shooting session and on a Wednesday with Greg and we're shooting down the end of the, the floor together and stuff. And if I, if I shoot, uh, say, 23s, left, on a wing, middle, right, blah, blah. And I feel comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. I'll leave it at that. Like, I won't shoot them all. Yeah. That's it. Shoot till it feels good. Then, yeah. Then but bounce. I just feel like something's quite not right. And I, but I still feel, I still feel uh, strong enough to keep on shooting and stuff. I might shoot a hundred threes. Yeah. So it just depends on the day. Like. Yeah. I've heard Richard Noche talk about something similar about feeling good where he used to have a thing. And I think he actually followed through in it once where he'd come into the gym and if he hit 10 free throws in a row, he'd just go again. <laughs> he'd be like, yeah, I'm yeah. out of here. And I think he actually did it once when he was younger, which I think is so cool. <laughs> be like, hey, tenor. And he'd do it like, we'd be like shooting in like training, like we'd scrimmage and then we'd stop and shoot for a little bit. We'd shoot 10 free throws and like, Someone would make 10 in a row and he'd be like, right, home time, off we go. <laughs> Sorry, coach. Going for a beer? Yeah, like, coach, he's leaving and we can't play with nine, so training's over. <laughs> but there's, yeah. actually, there's a really old Stevie Owen story from... Um, oh, Stevie Owen, legend. That, there's a really old story from when a load of us were there earlier we were just scrimmaging up and down before training started. And Stevie pushed in the door and he was, like, two chair lengths, like, into the... On, on the sideline from like where the door is at Northern General ball went out of bounds and it landed in his left hand and as like a mess around to pretend it was still going he just hooked it at the basket and he swished it <laughs> he just turned around and left and went home <laughs> but, 
<laughs> what a legend. <laughs> Man, we could do we could do a full podcast to Stevie yeah, Owens stories, but that's... Yeah, that, that was what I, people always joke about going home, but the idea of driving to training and then that happening and then being like, Well, I'm going home now is like almost not worth it. Yeah, we had one we had one at training where we got there, warmed up, did everything, like cleaned the chairs, did all the COVID stuff, and then Rose was messing around shooting with the lefty and our coach was like, if you had a lefty free throw with your eyes closed, we get to go home. So she did. <laughs> and we were all just like, this is amazing. Lost our minds, like just screaming and like throwing stuff and like losing our minds. And then we were a bit like, well, we're here now. Like, yeah. so we like negotiated for a different day off. Like we got a Friday <laughs> off instead because we didn't have a game or like a Monday off. That was it. I think we were going to have one day. Off. We were going to have the Friday off. So we took the Monday as well to have a longer weekend, which was amazing. But just the funniest thing was because coach said it to her and then she had like five minutes to practice it. And she didn't touch the ring on nearly any of them. And then she hits the one that matters. And I'm like, Rose, you're so cool. Um, yeah. How good is she at shooting, man? Unbelievable. Like, she she has an app that she starts, uh, starts all of her uh, shots every day. And I, I assume she won't mind me talking about this. She probably doesn't even listen, so it's fine. Um <laughs> I don't think that factors into her minding me talking about her, but stats everything. Just shoots like 80 to 85% every week. And like well, thousands of shots. Would you work harder because I shoot 88? I don't would, you, would you take yourself or Rose in a shootout, Terry? Nope. I've got everything to lose and she's got nothing to lose. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly like threes, you take it. 15 footers, she takes it. A hundred. No. Nah. <laughs> She'd take it, she'd take the threes. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> he had a big one against Bilbao, man. That was nuts. Oh, in the last quarter, yeah, oh. I remember that. Yeah, Legend. Still okay, lost, still lost, though, didn't you? Yeah, we did. <laughs> it's it's fine. Okay. Um, do you see yourself as a coach <laughs> one day? That sounded bad. Um, uh, I'd like to think so. Um, you would free throws coach, just because, not because. Obviously not because I've been around a long time, just because I've been through everything. I know what it's about. I know I've been there back in the days as a junior, all the way through to the men's team. So I know what it, it takes from the, obviously a junior level all the way to a senior level. And again, just going back to what I said to you both earlier, just, just the love of the sport, man. Like I genuinely don't think I could live without wheelchair basketball. No. Like when it's, when it's, you played it for so long and it's just a, it's been a daily routine of mine for like over 20 odd years at such a high level. And it's that little bit about giving back as well. Like I genuinely, like I'd love to, whether it's a, a junior level or maybe one day international level, who knows? Yeah. But yeah, the, absolutely. Like I'd love to. Nice. Let cool. us know when you want to take me and James on as your assistant coaches. <laughs> you got to become a coach yeah. to the point where you can teach me how to shoot. Water boy and, and, and mechanic. <laughs> <laughs> hey, these CP hands work great as mechanic hands, dude. I'm like a spanner in and of myself. Cool. Um, okay, so um, trying to make sure I understand this question correctly. Which, like, what do you prefer when, like, coming off the bench and the coach when the coach calls you to decide a game or play the whole game? And it's already been it's already been decided. I'm sorry to whoever wrote this question, and it's not completely clear. But yeah, I know where you're coming from. Obviously, I've been in that situation, both of them. I've um, obviously started games and played games for 40 minutes, 
and, and, and have come off bench, off the bench with 10 minutes to go, losing by two, three, four, whatever it is. Um, obviously, I, I love them both, but there's, there's nothing better than winning a basketball game. Like, yeah. like, if you, like, if you come off the bench or you're going into a last quarter, your team's losing, your coach shouts your name, he shows straight away that like he has faith in you, like he wants mm-hmm. you to win the game. And if you go out there and succeed and do that, there's no better feeling in the world. It's happened to me over the past few years with GB. Like I've been pulled off the bench to go try and save a game or, or help the team out in a game. You know, it's a it's a wicked feeling, man. Like great feeling. Yeah, man. Like you've had at GB the last couple of years. This year you did it against us for your club. Like kind of didn't start, came out and made the difference. And there's like a real thing, I guess, where you get to be like, yeah, I, I did that. Like, that, that was me. Yeah, and then, of course, it, it's never like a solo thing, but especially if you hit a shot to win it, which you've done a fair few times. Like yeah. The um, the game from the world where you guys played Spain, I think, in the quarterfinal. Yeah. And it was, it was a, you'd not played most of the game, Terry, because they'd gone with Lee and George at the four or five spots. And then it, it was like, well, this is close. Let's put cold Terry in and he'll splash a three and sew us the game up. And then... We can all move on with our lives. And it, <laughs> yeah. like that. Let's put Terry in because that's a full squad of people who've already had to deal with this guy for a decade. <laughs> okay. So, last question. Um, which players do you admire? Which players do I admire? Well, lots, lots of players I admire. Lots of players I've got a huge amount of respect for. Lots of the players that are amazing and superstars, it's, it's, there's just way too many to to talk about. I can go I go really back old school and talk about all the old timers that used to be in the in the GB team. People like Dan Johnson and you know, there's just too many. There's there's too many to say. Cool. Just, just to pa- pile on top of that from a slightly different angle, who do you think's underrated right now? Underrated, James. Oh, thanks. Who you've been trashing for this entire episode. <laughs> you've just underrated me. <laughs> no, you haven't. Can't shoot. I'm okay at all the rest of the stuff. No, underrated, probably not, because I don't really know the block. But tell me his name. I'm sorry about this if you're listening, but who's the... And he, he tried out for the American team. He's in Vigo. Uh, uh, Fabian, Ro- Fabian right, Romo. That's the one. Romo, Romo, right? So I've never seen that kid before. Like, I've never... I didn't know anything about just him. top scored the like, Spanish yeah, league in like, half a season. I apologise to you, my friend, but I didn't know who you were or what you were or what you... Like, where have you come from? But I've I've watched him this year in the, in the Spanish league. And he is nuts, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, that Sick. kid can score. Yeah. Like, it, unbelievable. He's just an out-and-out yeah. scorer. We know he, um... he like shooters and scorers. That, that kid can... He's amazing, man. Yeah. He can Sick. just score. When he arrived, because uh, I think he showed up in January, didn't he? Because um, yeah. that was the first point he was able to get across. And I think he had like two big scoring games. And because it's all done on averages rather than totals, he, he was like the top scorer in the Spanish league. And I remember seeing that stat and being like, oh, that like, that's funny because he's only played a couple of games. And then it was like the remaining nine games into the season or whatever it was. It's like, oh, no, this guy's still at the top, I guess. Yeah, you're <laughs> like, that's that's for real. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We played him at no, Oakland. He went like, I think he went for like 45 or something stupid like that. Yeah, man, he did. He had a couple of 40s. Yeah. Like he had a couple of games where he was launching and like threes didn't drop and that made a bit of a difference. But like top score in the Spanish league in your first season there, like coming in at Christmas. Mm. Uh, yeah, coming in late's a, a big thing as well. Yeah, no preseason to like get you like nuts. 
yeah, so. that's cool, man. Okay, so the last two questions that weren't sent in by um, listeners or social media followers that we always ask people are, number one, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? I've obviously had a lot over the, over the years. Um, give it to James. Give it to James. He's really good. <laughs> give it to James or give it to Mark. He's not good advice. <laughs> Uh, I've got I've got a one from one shooting stat line from a game nine years ago that says otherwise, Phil. <laughs> okay, actual advice. No, it's obviously it's playing as simple. I mean, the amount of people that have, when I first started off playing and got involved in a setup would just tell me to play my own game and you know worry about anybody else. And, you know, you back in the day we used to train Lily Show for hours and hours up on end, and you'd be in a scrimmage going up and down and. You know, trying to impress the coach or impress other people, you're trying to do different things. You know, I had some so many people used to say, you know, Terry's play your own game, just do your own thing. You know, just be your own person, be your own player. You can, you can, you can try to be as as good as uh, a Patrick Anderson or a Sarah or a Matt Scott, but you, you're never going to be that person. You're going to be your own player. So I think for any for any young kid coming up, just is yeah, just just find your find yourself, be yourself. Cool. Okay. What's the worst piece of advice you've ever been given? <laughs> to share with you. Okay. That wasn't the place. <laughs> I'm going to ask for anyone but you next time. No. Okay. And the last question that I asked you to prepare, which you did, you wrote this all down, is can you give me an all-star five of your current or ex-teammates? And instead, you have made two. <laughs> But only because this this was quite tough, right? I only asked him like an hour before the podcast. Yeah, I exactly. forgot. And he was like, oh, God. I had like two minutes to do this. Obviously, I'm a one-man club. That made it more tougher. Yes. Do you mean a one-club man rather than one, a one-man yeah, one club? Man. You were also a one-man club for a long time. <laughs> uh, so this was a tough one. And obviously, I didn't want to I didn't want to kind of like mix it up. So I'd... Well, this is two good fives. I wanted to do one at club level, yeah, obviously, and then one at one at international level, and it'd be quite interesting these two going together. So, my five from club level, which is forty and a half points, because I'm allowed that, right? Yeah, at club level, yeah, right. Is you know the, you know the rules? I'll give you that. And also, <laughs> also, this is all fake. Like this thing actually happened. <laughs> like none of this all is right. real. Drum roll. That's going to sound terrible. Ready? Go, Terry. Terry, <laughs> Terry, Terry. Right, Terry. Bill, right. This is my this is my European one. 14 and a half points. Bill Leland. Okay. I want a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Good call or not? Yeah. Yeah. Rodney Hawkins. Yeah. How many points is that, Mark? Is that including yourself? Did you say? No, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not putting myself in because I'd have put them in both, obviously. But right. that that's eight then. Rodney four. Alejandro Sarsuela. 11. Sean Norris. 14. And Sara Revuelta. 13 and a half, I guess. 14 and a half, we'll give you that one. You're on, so, yeah. you're on 13 and a half. You've got a point to play with there if you want. That's not 13 and a half. What's Rodney? Four. Two fours, two threes. Yeah, so that's 14. Sara gets the point off, right? 
But I wasn't doing that, was I? Because I'm just being like a little bit smarter and just okay. put it down as a, that's a half. Fine. Okay. Back. Good. Okay. That's what we'd run like in the league. Yeah, okay, cool. That works. So, European All-Star 5. Bill, Rodney, Ale, Sean and Salah. Sick. That okay. is a good five. That is a, that is a good I'll five. take those against most other teams, I think. Okay. That is a good five. And you're, you've chosen another one, which was? Yes, so this is international, so this is 14 points. Yes. Right? So I've gone with Simon Munn. Okay. Lee Manning. Okay. Greg. Okay. Gotcha. Johnny Pollock. Okay. Hey, that's another one the kids won't know. And Abdi. Sick. 14, exactly. That'd be a pretty good lineup even now. Yeah. So I looked at them two, and if them two went at it, that would be a game. That would be a, that would be a sick game. Yes. We should play them Rodney Hawkins, Alejandro, Sean Norris and Sarah. Against Abdi, Johnny Pollock, Greg, Lee Manning, and Simon Munn. Yeah, man. You've got all the contacts, dude. Get in touch and put the game Make together. Charity game. Happened. <laughs> yeah. Any any honourable mentions? Just so you don't hurt anyone's feelings, if you want. Well, just like he said then as well, the people that don't remember uh, Johnny Pollock. Oh, yeah. Like one of the best two and a half to play the game. Unreal. Give him a quick mention. Yeah. It's like legit point guard. Yeah. Unbelievable. If you've not seen him, go watch the video. Yeah. If you don't know, find out. <laughs> and obviously, obviously, I'm uh, I'm really, really sorry I didn't manage to get you two in there. Well, I was go- I was gonna ask how, how many people would you have had to chop before me and James made our appearance? <laughs> obviously, I'd I'd be above him, but obviously, yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not good, so it's fine. Uh I'm joking. Yeah, I, I was... am any teams that needed to hit me up. <laughs> I was happy with them too. That's two good teams there. Eh? Yeah. I'd watch that game. If um, if you ever manage to get that game up and running, let us know and we'll get some kind of exclusive streaming rights to it. Yeah, all right. <laughs> cool. Well, we've taken up more than enough of your time here, so I think we'll probably call it there, will we? Terry, it's been a pleasure, man. It's been good to catch up. Absolute pleasure. Thanks very much for asking me on your show. Thanks for coming on, man. You uh, have further legitimized us as an actual wheelchair basketball media outlet. We'll we'll sign all the contracts later and get the the payments on. Considering you said you're happy to go to the Paralympics for a hat and a few T-shirts, don't expect anything massive coming from us. (laughs) A T-shirt and a few hats. Yeah, have you got no bench unit caps or anything yet? We don't have merch. Like 40 people listen to each episode. I did look at at getting merch, but considering we're losing money on this thing right now, I don't think we can be churning T-shirts and hats out just yet. Well, let's hope that this gets millions and millions, eh? Millions of us. I think well, the record is 63 or something, so fingers crossed. Probably not. 100. Uh, if you actually 100. get us over 100, that's sick. 100. Terry, get, get promoted, man. As soon as this comes out, get promoted. Terry was telling me the, the the impressions on one of the tweets he sent out. He was complaining about the amount of likes that it gets compared to the impressions. Like 15,000 on tweets. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> first world problems, man. Yeah, but that's the worst thing is you get 15,000 impressions and like seven likes. Yeah, but if you do a better tweet, you get more likes. That's how it works. Well, when people are looking up this on the on obviously on Google and stuff, don't forget to uh, type in Terry Bywater or seven as well. Yeah, I'll bring my website. People can go on there and look at some cool trick shots, and obviously, yeah, get following these two uh, crazy people. <laughs> don't follow Mark. He doesn't have social media, so don't like follow oh, yeah. this person. It's a, to be fair, we've not touched on it, but Terry used to absolutely abuse my Twitter account back in the day. 
he'd have he'd have like a weekly stretch where he'd just go through and he'd like everything that I tweeted for the entire week. Like, I'd, just be, I'd be bored one night going to a away game. And I'd just like get on Twitter and he'd come up with all the random stuff he used to put on. He used to make me giggle. So I'd yeah, like, just like give him be like, like, here's a thought. Give him a like. <laughs> but no, yeah, legit. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on, and I wish you. I wish you all the luck in the world. Seriously, if this could get um, obviously bigger and bigger and bigger because the world of wheelchair basketball need it, man. It's getting some amazing people on here. I think Thanks, some, some appreciate it. now, like you just recently spoke to Matt, haven't you, and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, man. That was so cool. yeah, I wish you all the luck in the world, boys. Thanks, mate. Cheers, dude. Welcome back anytime. And yeah, thank you for listening, everybody. Peace out. Easy. Bye.